0: Well, welcome to some Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Super Smash Warner Brothers. But before we do that, but you want to tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? <laughs> on this podcast, we talk
1: about games. Uh, and I guess this is probably the biggest release that I can think of in, you know, you know the past month or so. Yeah, when it comes this to, summer's been pretty it, dry
0: in terms of releases. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like there's the Overwatch 2 beta, which, you know, only... Uh, th- that is that is built for this kind of subset of sort of the FPS player population and uh, and I feel like there is the super or that super Jesus Christ you're gonna get me to say Super Smash Brothers Warner Brothers Super Warner Brothers Brawl uh, <laughs> um, and then there, and then there is this multiverses, right which is an open beta right now and is a new platform fighter featuring Batman. Characters from Scooby Doo, you know, Cartoon Network, right? You've got Jake and uh, Finn, Finn from Adventure Time, um, um, Garnet and Steven Universe. You've got you've got Tom and Jerry. You've got Bat. Uh, no, 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 Bugs, Bugs Bunny. Bunny. Um, you know, it's just like it is that got Arya Stark. Weird... Yeah, Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. And they announced weird. LeBron
0: James, which is and the they weirder have in one...
1: fact announced LeBron James, famously from the movie Space Jam something something some sub, some sub, sub, subtitle right yeah the new space um, jam
0: yeah um but and, yeah and
1: um you know yeah so that's what we're fucking talking about i guess
0: yeah we uh uh obviously we haven't had a ton of time with it um and so technically we're not no op- technically i think the open the open open beta starts tomorrow you can get access and you know for up to like a week previous by watching a stream for an hour and getting a steam drop so you know easy enough to do, um, which is what we did, um, and then I think it officially releases in like August at some point in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it
1: is uh, It is going to be free to play, uh, they've already announced a lot of the, the details, it's going to be free to play, and almost, this is kind of the interesting thing, is that it is using kind of the unlock structure of a MOBA, right? It is sort of relying on the, the way that um, games like... I mean, uh, League and here's the storm and you know whatever like those games uh, make l- l- like how you unlock characters and do and do all of that kind of stuff. There are skins, you know. Um, there are uh, there are like the cur- the free currency that you earn after every match, and then the platinum kind of currency or whatever. So it is very much kind of taking a taking a a page out of the League of Legends sort of
0: book. Yeah, League of Legends or like Fortnite, right? However you want to parse it, right? Um, also doing a battle pass like every game and its brother does now. Um, the preseason one's pretty cheap, so that's not a um, a big deal. But it's also not supposed to be as big as the big ones. In fact, like so, uh, across the table, I bought. I think you can also buy access to the, to this alpha if you really don't want to watch a stream for an hour um, with one of the founders packs. And uh, I bought a founders pack just because. Um, you get you get a lot of character tickets for the unlocks, and I'm gonna hold on to them for a while. But part of it is it comes with a battle pass token, and they don't let you spend that battle pass token on the preseason battle pass. Um, they say like this is not a full battle pass. You can buy it with coins, but you save your battle pass token for the the full thing. Which uh, you know, kudos to them, right? They could I don't know like get people <laughs> to to fork over the battle pass token for this battle pass, but um, uh, but yeah um uh outside of the economics which i I think it it seems like a pretty fine model i mean the prices seem a little bit wonky but like it feels to me that most of these things seem like most of the time you're not buying things directly you're you're like buying battle passes and getting stuff through that um or the option direct purchase um and i think the prices are a little high for the individual purchases but i don't think they're like out of line if that makes sense right like I don't know it's like seven hundred of the like the the currency for seven thousand rather, no seven hundred for a character, which is like seven ish dollar. It's a little bit more than seven dollars um, because the they, they do the whole kind of like you know, cheap you can buy is four fifty for five dollars, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, but then you scale up like when you hit like twenty, you get like twenty two hundred. So it's not one to one or whatever. Um, but the pricing seems about standard to me. Do you have any thoughts on that before we get fucked like, No, game? I, I
1: didn't have any issues with the pr- like. Like, it was more expensive than anything I was willing to pay. I was like, oh, I just unlocked Batman. Let me see if the Batman skin is whatever. And it's like, 10, 10 bucks or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, that's. Yeah. I don't really want to go for that, right? Like, maybe I would go for a $3 skin. Um,. Uh, for for something kind of pithy or whatever like this um but yeah uh, I I the the monetization is not the thing that I think is all that interesting like it's it's neat because I actually do kind of like it in this space right these sort of character driven fighters um, are well, kind of positioned, I guess I would say. Uh, these character-driven fighters are, are well-positioned for it. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do with that, right? Like, as much as people do kind of complain about some of the aspects of uh, something like League of Legends monetization or whatever, I actually kind of think having valuable goals sort of hidden inside of the game and you earn them over time, right? Like, by playing enough games, you'll get enough, whatever, IP influence points to buy a champion, right? Or um, you know, you'll get enough of these coins to to buy a fighter, right? Like those that makes a lot of sense to me. Um and I think works pretty pretty well all things considered.
0: I agree. I agree. But enough about the economics of the game, I suppose, and to the actual gameplay. Um now I I know both of us have played I think every smash brothers game, but probably yep. different amounts. I, I would venture to guess I've played more than you, especially of, like, the newer entries. Um, yeah, I haven't... I have played some Ultimate, but I haven't really
1: touched Ultimate. Um, for me, Smash Brothers was mostly uh, Nintendo 64 Smash in college because we had an N64. We just didn't have anything else. Uh, and we used to play... We used to play Smash constantly on, on that. Um, and then uh, in high school, we played an untold number of hours of melee and i guess eventually brawl at the very end of high school brawl came out right um uh and and so that is really like the it, the the fighting game i have maybe played the most is probably soul caliber 2 that was the one that i like went really hard on i went to tournaments you know in the city and stuff like that for for soul caliber 2 but i would bet that combined over you know over the all of its installments Smash Brothers is the fighting game I have played the most for sure
0: yeah and I I think a big part of that is just kind of it lends itself to parties right like to like you know the thing that you can all and it's also like you know um, free for all nature like let's makes it good for like kind of social gatherings Um, that's actually an interesting thing I think to highlight about this game whereas it is in the arena fighter is is the kind of genre of Smash Brothers is, is what like the sub genre of fighters is called called Arena Fighters um, and it is particular in that it's it's marquee mode, the one that you're supposed to play is two v twos, um, and a lot of the characters have, um, I think maybe even all of the characters have some aspect of one of some of their mechanics that uh, only really works with a teammate. Um, some of them are more significant than others, but like you know, in in particular, I want to say like uh, like Rain Dog, which is the one unique character for this thing, has like essentially can like zap. Its allies with uh, like a beam and then pull the pull the ally to them, um, and everybody has something a little bit like that. Where like you can mark your mark your teammate and do something. And Wonder Woman can shield their allies. Uh, Shaggy can like um, when he powers up, he powers up his allies, and he can also use move to like dash to them. Um, uh, all that all all that kind of neat stuff, and I, and this really kind of like it's interesting because it means that it's it, so fighters are traditionally very solo games, right? Like, even in Smash, which has support for team battles, um, team battles were always kind of like a secondary thing, right? Like, the you know, the premier event's always 1v1s. Um, and so it's very, very interesting to me and very cool that this game is built, is very openly built around uh, a, a teammate perspective. Um, yeah, I also think it's interesting because the character...
1: So, okay, in Smash... There are character archetypes, right? And we would say that there are different character types on, you know, that, that you could play as, right? So for instance, maybe a good example of something like that might be um, uh Bowser or Ganondorf. You know, like Ganondorf has this kind of grapply bruiser, you know, aspect. Right where where he can do multiple moves that will grab an opponent. Bowser can grab an opponent. They're both very heavy. Right. You have these heavy fighters. You have very light fighters. Right. Like um, fighters that can deal a lot of damage, but fighters that have a lot of kind of launches. Right. Who have the killing power to to nail someone even at fifty percent. Right. Or sixty percent power. If you get someone with that Bowser smash. Right. That's huge kind of thing. Um, here you also have similar archetypes. Right. But they use the the sort of Moba style of talking about them, right? Yeah, you the have language. bruisers, you have tanks, you have assassins, right? Um, and I don't know that they have supports, but there were, yeah, there, there was money, label guess, support.
0: Like, I think Steven, Steven Universe and Rain Dark. Yeah, that's are exactly what I
1: was thinking. Steven Universe is, is a fucking support. And you can really feel that, right? Like, we played a match where I was Batman and you were Shaggy, who I guess are two bruisers yeah. by their estimation, right? And we were playing against the Steven Universe and a Superman, and they were very good, right? But the problem was that, that st- I guess Superman is a tank, and Steven Universe is a, uh, is a support, so it just didn't feel like they had a lot of damage or killing power, right? So, even though I kind of felt like they were better players, at least than me, right? There were a lot of things that I were doing that, that Steven himself was, you know, he has he has a special bubble, right? He can kind of bubble his teammate. So there were things where I would land my Batman bomb on the guy and he would just, you know, flick the bubble to pre- to prevent the damage right when it went off, which is like that's a really good play, right? Like that's someone who knows who knows what they're doing, right? Um, he could do things like I would use my Batman grapple, right, where you grapple, you fly to them, and you punch them really fast, um, uh, to to also sort of snap block my like snap block my damage. But because they just didn't have any power uh, output, we just sort of beat we just sort of like beat them up over time and we won this like war of attrition right and that's not something i think i can say about any other super smash brothers game um uh or any other i guess technically platform fighter i don't think have you played any of the other platform um, fighters
0: i played the nicktoons one for a little while okay. and i've played Yeah, i also uh, played the
1: nicktoons one for a little bit
0: i've played um slap city which is the it's the same people who made the nicktoons one um okay. uh and uh, I might have dabbled in. I think I've dabbled in the other ones, but not enough that I could really speak to like Rivals of Aether or anything like that. Yeah, um,
1: that, it just seems like that's an. It, this is an entirely different dynamic than any of those than any of those games. Um, and it kind of works really well, right? Like for a genre fusion, this sort of Moba character design plus uh, the platform fighting fundamentals. Uh, I don't know. I guess I want to say this game is really good because like. I had a really great time. It was immediately intuitive. I felt the depth all like right up front, and I was like, "Oh, there's a lot here, and it feels like there's a lot more here than I would like I might otherwise, you know, find or like want or something."
0: Um, and and yeah, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I had no, a lot
1: of good things to say about multiverses. Yeah.
0: So so like, and part of this too is that um, to to your point, right? Like that uh, there's a lot like. Do you feel there's depth here? If you go to the advanced tutorials, like there's some stuff there that's like, oh, you took this weird, unintentional melee mechanic, um, and you, you canonized it essentially, right? Like like wave dashing, for those of you at home that don't know, in Super Smashers Melee, if you dodge into the ground at like a, in a certain way, you get like good acceleration and it moves you fast. It's, it's, this is like a staple piece of um high level high level melee play. Um super hard to pull off um the designer of Smash Brothers has said like pretty openly that he doesn't like he doesn't like this kind of thing he wants Smash Brothers to be a relatively casual game um Warner or rather multiverses um uh like has in the advanced tutorials It's like you can like if you dodge and jump right out of it you get a speed boost and it's got a tutorial for it and it's got like you know like one of those checkpoint tutorials it's like like Did you get it off? You'll get the check mark. You can only move on once you got the three. It's not necessary to start playing, but it's all there. Um, Things like another Smash thing is called DI, Directional Influence, um, which is when you're flying uh, in the air, you can, like, kind of adjust your trajectory by, like, moving the control stick. Um, This game has it. It's called Knockback Influence, and they parenthesize it as KBI, right? Like, you know exactly what they're doing, right? Like, the way I was thinking about it is, you know, this, this game, like, a lot of these arena fighters kind of, like, wink at, like, you know, this is kind of like Smash Brothers, whereas this game is, like, looking at the camera and says, we're going to have a smashing time, aren't we, brother? Right? Like, you know, it's, like, very on the nose about what it's trying to emulate. Um, uh, from, from kind of that direct perspective, the game's also, like, like, most of the, everybody's a little bit more floaty than in your Smash Brothers games. This, like... I don't think the stages are much smaller, but they feel smaller because there's a little bit mm. more speed of movement and and speed of knockback. Um, in particular, it feels like the ceiling's a little bit closer um, than it is in a typical Smash game. Um, also, a little bit easier to tell where the actual edge of the ceiling is because if you if you zoom out far enough, you start to like you actually see like a an an, an edge. Not that it immediately kills you once you're over it, but it, it gets pretty close. Um, uh, but it's a it's a pretty strong game. The only thing I'm gonna say to your point about like uh, the character classes is is I I I'm with you about like fifty to eighty percent that the classes are like super um, are like informative. I think part of the thing. This is the thing also in Smash is that there are characters that don't have great finishers, and in my experience, and obviously I've only played for like you know a handful of hours at this point is that the bigger differentiator is if your character has, like, a good finisher, right? Or, like, a very accessible finisher, right? Like, I think if I were to guess part of the difference between... Or the, the thing that that um, helped us in that uh, Steven Superman game is that... Um, uh, I don't think Superman has any great finishers. Steven definitely doesn't. Batman really doesn't. But Shaggy has some pretty strong launchers, right? Like, and those are the things you really need to, like, you know, turn you know hundred percent damage into like a kill. Um, and that's that can sometimes, uh, uh, and like that's like and this is like I said, this is a big thing in Smash too. Where, like Meta Knight, a famously a very strong character, doesn't have a ton of ways to actually like get the kill. Um, they're very specialized, and that's a lot. Let's you can play around your limited options for that a lot easier in a one v one, but in a two v two, it's 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 a lot more obvious that like you know oh you're getting kills off of like landing big hits that you just kind of don't get as as, as easily with uh with the other with um some of these more technical characters right like bugs Bunny. yeah i would Bunny's say that characters.
1: i do feel like superman does have powerful finishers at least when i was playing him in okay. the the kind of practice mode but that guy was not using there there's one move of superman's that i actually thought was pretty good where he you know he he kind of like cocks his fist and you aim him a little bit and then he dashes to that spot in super Speech and, and punches And I just didn't see that guy ever attempt that move, which is maybe a a landable thing, right? Like that's effectively a skill shot, which has a lot of telegraphing, and maybe it's harder to land that on moving targets than you might all than you might think. Fair enough. Um, But if I were to identify the Superman finisher, it would probably be that.
0: That makes sense. Um, And uh, some like and and, you know maybe that's just the the skill of people we were playing, but like yeah, that, that that makes a lot of sense. Also like. Um, I suspect as I play more, like, you'll, you'll kind of, like, filter out some of the, not not to, like, shit on people, but, like, the early games, this, the early matches I played in this game really felt like, you know, is not hard to be, like, decent at this game, but that's just kind of any fighting game, right, the lower levels are always kind of full of, um, uh, people who are, like, getting their bearings or not particularly well-versed in the style of game, or you'll probably get a lot of kids here who don't play Smash Brothers, right, that are like, oh boy, I can play a Superman, and then you're just, like, you know, pushing their shit in with Shaggy, right, like, you know, because I've got, I already come <laughs> in with like you know, some knowledge, right? Like, um, yeah.
1: there's also like people playing new characters for the first time. Yeah. They don't understand the move set, and they're just getting absolutely thrashed because like they didn't take the character to the lab, and so they don't actually know what their up, you know, special does or whatever else.
0: Yeah, or the or the, the particularities of it. I think that's like that's I think some of the things that, that we're gonna see is like you know understanding around around certain texts. Like like this game does a very good job of explaining what your character does. Um, but there's still some things that, like, are, you know, that we wouldn't necessarily expect to be explained, but, like, for me, one of the big things is that, uh, Shaggy's side special is just kind of a kick. It's a sidekick, right? Mm. Um, but it actually, you can, like, you can influence its height, especially if you're trying to influence it down pretty severely, right? Like, so you can start high, and, like, in something like a Smash, where, like, you know, your trajectory is pretty set um you can actually like pull that down and like have it hit somebody that's significantly below you and maybe catch them off guard and those, these are the types of things that i think are going to come out more as people explore the game more and get more of a handle on it um uh, yeah but yeah those, those that was kind of like some of the big things that that popped out at me it's like there's this big like there's um the in particular, I think there's a big dichotomy about, like, characters that have, like, e- like I'm not even going to say, like, have finishers, because I think everybody probably has at least one, but, like, easily accessible ones, right? Like, Shaggy, like, three or four of his moves can potentially send you pretty, flying pretty hard, whereas um, someone like Bugs feels like they have, like, one, maybe two, like, two, if you're lucky, and, like, the Bugs' moves are all on cooldown, so it's tougher. Um, that was- yeah, well,
1: cooldowns are an interesting thing that I want to bring up because this is one of the things that is y- truly unique. It feels like about about multiverses, right? Um, whereas cooldowns are something that I'm very that we're very used to in most other genres, right? You could look at wow, you could look at you know league, you can look at Overwatch for three different, completely different genres, right? An MMO, a moba, and a um, uh, an FPS, and all of those feature functionally cooldown based gameplay right you know obviously there are characters who essentially don't have cooldowns that's always going to be part of a thing right you could look at something like a gun as a uh as something that doesn't have a cooldown or has sort of like an activatable cooldown and reloading or something like that but at the end of the day most characters in those games are going to have some version of cooldowns that they are going to have to sort of you know, revolve around right, and the gameplay there is really basic and really straightforward. You have to pick the right time to use this thing, right? Because otherwise, you will be punished. Otherwise, it will be it will be gone for ten or fifteen seconds, and you're going to need to figure out some other way, right, um, in order to kind of progress your your uh, your win goal. Um, I have never seen cooldowns effectively implemented in a fighter. That work this way. I like there are supers right that like which is another sort of version of cooldowns in a certain sense. But like the building and executing of supers in something like Street Fighter or um you know any of the Blaz what are the what are the Blaz Blue guys that did Arc-System Dragon Ball for to
0: Z, Arxis? Arcsystem works. Arc
1: uh, yeah any of the Arxis games right. All of those games have effectively cooldowns in the sense of you know you build these supers over time and then you land them or you don't kind of thing, um, and uh, But Multiverses is is much more built around this kind of straightforward, I use an ability and it is on cooldown for eight seconds type gameplay, Um, which is kind of neat. And on top of that, those cooldowns have a lot of ways to, at least in my experience on some of the characters I was playing, like you can manipulate them, right? Batman throws, you know, he equips a bomb. He He throws a batarang. He has a smoke grenade, right? All of those are on cooldown, but if he picks up the Batarang, if he throws his Batarang and picks it up, it refreshes the cooldown, right? If he equips the bomb to a Batarang and he throws it and doesn't hit anybody and he captures the the, the Batarang, he gets both the bomb and the and the Batarang back, right? And I think that that's the stuff that's, that's kind of interesting about uh about the cooldowns in multiverses is that to me feels like a very league interaction right um or a very overwatch interaction to cooldowns right oh here are these here are these ways that you are going to use your ability you're going to use it once every you know five or eight seconds um and there are and there are a multitude of ways in order to refresh the cooldown and change how the character plays right um but, uh, yeah, Multiverses multiverses really, like, offers that sort of depth, which I think is neat and compelling.
0: Yeah, no, so that's, so, just uh, to be complete here, there are cooldowns, or there were cooldowns in Rising Thunder, which was um, a kind of a, a fighting game that was built to be a little bit more beginner-friendly, and then the developers got acquired by Riot, the Cannon Brothers, famously of Evo fame, um, and uh, you know their game got their um, project L, I think is what it's called, or something like that. That got uh, you know uh, some gameplay footage finally, like you know six months to a year ago, I think at this point. Um, and it will probably also have cooldowns because so part of part of the thing here is that um, a lot of fighting games, especially the more traditional either 3D fighting games or 2D fighting games, have um, part of the part of the way you kind of like soft gate in cooldowns is you give them particular inputs right like like mm-hmm. a fireball in street fighter doesn't have a hard cooldown but it's but it's limited by how fast you can do a corner circle forward punch right um, which is a particularly long cooldown but that, it, that mechanical thing is still it's like it's part of the balance right like moving a like um uh what's it called like a guile has a sonic boom that's a charge move you hold back and then you press forward to to do the, the sonic boom um moving that to a motion, which would be a corner circle forward, which is an easier input and also a quicker input, has like specific balance changes. And part of this is just kind of like, you know, um, getting into how fighting games usually really don't want to tell you things, right? Like, um, like theoretically, like K. Rule in Smash Bros. Ultimate has a Batarang style thing. It's got its crown which he throws. And if you don't pick it up, uh, after a certain amount of time, it'll respawn, but the game doesn't surface that to you, right? Like it doesn't surface yep. that information to you, um, and so there are some of these concepts in here. But, but like you know, I will agree with you that, and I think it's also very true that like this game has much more, much it utilizes cooldowns in a much more noticeable and a much more visible way, and also in like a way like like the way the reason that you can get fuzzy in these other games is because those cooldowns are like like. Like, uh, on, like kind of like a global scale, like very short to like extremely short, whereas here they, they can be a little bit longer, right? Like, mm. like some of like Bugs Bunny's moves have like very long cooldowns. Um, yeah, like does, if
1: you miss the safe with Bugs Bunny, you're out for like 20 seconds. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and there's
0: not like really a good native <laughs> way for him to, 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 uh, uh, bring those cooldowns down, right? Like, he is, he's basically playing a resource management game, which is another archetype for, uh, for, for different fighters, but like it, it's got this very moba-ish feel, which which I agree with you. Something I also think that that multiverse has done differently than even something like Rising Thunder, which had this built in, um, is that is it's hybridized better, right? Like like Shaggy basically has no cooldowns outside of kind of like the standard. Um, like everybody has like a dodge bar cooldown, and mm-hmm. there's some other little things in there, but he doesn't have any like cooldown moves, right? Um, yeah, and nothing
1: that'll show up on the HUD to show you. Oh, this thing is ticking up. Right? Yeah. Whereas for Batman, you could have three of those boxes all ticking up at the same
0: time. Right. Um, and I, it feels like, um, like most characters feels like they have at least one cooldown. But like a lot of them, like, like not only do like is like the amount of cooldowns mixed, but it's also like per, but that like you know, it's not every move has a cooldown right it's some moves have cooldowns right like in like in rising thunder right like every special had a cooldown right whereas you know the new normals didn't in this game some specials have cooldowns some don't um some have very long cooldowns some have like like bugs Bunny's pie throw has ammo to it right like you can throw two pies before it needs to start re- before it recharges but it'll st- you know it'll recharge charges in between or whatever but uh um and you know, to your point about the super, Shaggy has like a super power up move. Like a move that's dedicated to just charging up to so he can like do a more powerful version of his move, which is super interesting because I don't think most of the people have like a rage bar. Or not most other, but some other characters have like a rage bar. But I don't think anybody has like a specific power up move like Shaggy does. Which no, is No, I don't think um, so either. Interesting. Like the so this is something I used to talk about with League, where I felt that like the design space for League in terms of like what like Acceptable mechanics, where it was a bit more constrained than something like Dota Two, which is the OG. Like Dota Two was a little was willing to be a little bit more wild with what it with its uh, possibility space. That's something that I that I'm seeing with multiverses is that the design space for the characters is much bigger, and not only that, but it's also much more distributed. Right, like something like Smash, like you get some like neat characters that do some weird stuff, like 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 Minecraft Steve, right, like. Like, has, like, such a weird move set that a lot of people don't know how to deal with him. But it's, like, all concentrated on Steve. And, like, you know, there's a couple of characters with a couple of specific, specifically weird things. Um, this game, it's all spread out, right? Like, you know, Iron Giant's, like, two to three times the size of any other character, right? Like, any, he, he works kind of differently, right? Like, when he's hanging to an edge, he, like, kind of acts like a wall. Um, uh, like, you know, like I said, Shaggy has his unique kind of power-up ability, Um uh uh like there's a lots of like there are characters that have like weird unique like movement based things Velma has this like clue collecting mechanic where you can like trap someone in the police car and the police car tries to jump them off the edge um
1: there, there there's a whole store right Finn's whole thing is about dealing damage to generate coins so that he can buy stuff from a store in the middle of the battle, right? Um, that stuff is crazy to me. And I, I definitely feel that. My thing is, is HOTS, right? Like, I think Heroes of the Storm has a much, much more diverse cast of characters who are willing to do much, much more diverse things than something like League, mostly because I think HOTS is the more casual game and doesn't feel bad about you know kind of breaking down some of these design conventions right um funnily enough my you know i when we talked about this years ago my my go-to would have been Abather, right this character who is incredibly weak but he can sort of hitch a ride on these other characters and like power them up league eventually did implement their version of abathur called yumi um but even yumi i would say is far far less you know uh, uh sort of a broad character um you know, out into the wilds of game design than something like Abathur. And then from there you have Cho'Gall, right? Two people on one body. You have Deathwing, a truly massive, gigantic bruiser who is immune to all CC, but also cannot be healed by his, like, by his teammates and it's just, like, running around and, like, beating the absolute fuck out of people, right? Um, you have characters who have, in, like, individual sort of, like, quests and movesets that radically change the way that they play from match to match, right? Like, in the middle of a game, you can change how Varian is, pl- is played from a tank to a bruiser to an assassin, all by making one choice at level four, right? Like, earlier into the, um, earlier into the thing. And I think that that kind of uh, that kind of thing comes comes through so hard in multiverses. I think mostly because all of the characters are not afraid to be complicated, right? Um, <clears throat> something we've talked about before, right? Like there's this kind of there's this kind of uh, I guess I would call it a matrix, right? You know, you could you could see it as sort of on one axis, you're measuring how hard to comprehend something is right how deep uh, uh, a set of mechanics are and uh on the other axis is how intuitive those mechanics are right and most people will tell you that the sweet spot is to have deep mechanics that are intuitive right you have really complicated stuff going kind of going on but you just get it you just you you see it and you understand it on that axis, there's also the complicated version, right, where it's not intuitive, but it is very deep, right? I've talked a lot about Europa Universalis, you know, having these incredibly hard-to-parse mechanics, but it was also, that's kind of, that was kind of part of the fun of playing that game. It was really mastering a truly nebulous and almost impossible-to-comprehend web of, um, you know, all of, the, all of the mechanics that go into something like trade or colonization or whatever else in that, in that game. Um, I think Smash is much more on the intuitive side, and I think Multiverses is much more on the complicated side. Um, And that's actually kind of okay, because in a world where you can reward a player for having deep specialization in their class, right, um, you actually, I think, get a much more powerful and sort of um, uh, dedicated player out of it, right? I'm thinking about things like, you know, the way that I optimize my Arms Warrior play in World of Warcraft just feels different. Than the way that I optimize by, you know, playing a game that is much less rewarding for that kind of character depth, right? Um, where there's just not as many options for me to really prove that. Oh, I am a master of this person because I know really niche, you know, super super granular interactions are going to work the way that I want them to.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and that's I think I think that's also kind of just like the draw of a lot of fighting games in general um and like to your point right smash traditionally kind of tries to like push that under the rug and like not expose these edges for players to really optimize around even though players kind of inevitably will um but this is this is a neat this is neat in that it's like the one of the first if not the first game to kind of like take the deep complexity of, of, like, a 2D fighter, right? Like, where you're caring about frame data. Um, and apply that kind of model to a uh, to an arena fighter, as it were, or a platform fighter, whatever the correct term is. Um, and that's, that's super interesting. Um, it's also, like... It's also interesting, like, what they chose to emphasize, right? Like, this game has heavy emphasis on air battle um, and, like, heavy emphasis... And heavy emphasis on kind of, like, air mobility options. Every character gets two jumps, and two dodges, and two air special moves, right, which is a lot more mobility than a smash, you usually get, like, um, you know, eight, like, two jumps, and then and an air special, and that's basically it. Um, and, uh, and the game, I think, also resets these on, like, wall jumps, too, which is, like, you know, pretty insane. Like, you have a lot of options. There's no ledge hanging, but, like, like, the air game's pretty intense, especially if you go into it. Um, and there's, like, a lot of, like, a lot of control there, and, I, I think that's like once you, when the game gets like big, it's a lot of the games can be played. I feel like in the air off the sides of the battle and people trying to like um, get like, like spikes are satisfying in this game, but they aren't nearly as default deadly as they can be in Smash, right? Like a, a spike in Smash means you're pretty done. In this game, if you're at low health, you can maybe recover from a spike. Um, yeah. Especially, and I think that's all because of no ledges, right? Yeah. Um, Which I think is
1: clever as fuck, to be honest. I didn't quite comprehend it at the time uh, when I was, like, playing the tutorial and they, you know... Or I guess it wasn't the tutorial. It was in a game, right, where where I just had I was like, oh, wait, I'm hanging onto the wall and I can just do a very typical kind of platformer, right? Like, bop, 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 up the wall. Um, Like, you know, something I would do in Spinch, for instance. Right. Um, Which is a just really interesting way to play the game. Because, honestly, I think ledge stuff kind of sucks about Smash. Um, You know, that the game is so, so focused on on these interactions at ledges where it feels like one player has just way more control than the other. Um, Kind of evening that out by giving the sort of, uh, the spiked player a real chance at recovery... right? Because even if you are spiked, but like you can, like on Batman, I can use the grapple to get back to the wall. You know, on Shaggy, you can use his over special in order to get onto a wall and start kind of climbing your way back up. Um, That feels really interesting. And that feels like a, a kind of a fairer state of affairs compared to like, you know, if I'm watching YouTube videos of Smash players, it feels like a lot of the time when I'm watching them get a kill, it is because they are playing you know this this uh, this kind of edge, this like ledge game. Yeah, right? very complicated um, edge game. It's definitely <laughs> a
0: focal, focal point of, of those games. Um, yeah, and it, it's weird. It's like this is like a thing that you don't necessarily notice the first time you load it up. But like the stages aren't platforms that are empty underneath. They're platforms with straight down walls that you can grab onto. Which is like again coming from the Smash, you won't necessarily notice that immediately because your ledge interact or your wall interactions aren't as as um as kind of. As typical, I guess, as you know, in the, in the modern age, but multiverse is like, like you said, it's got the very typical kind of like wall climbing type behavior, even though it's not a direct wall yep. climb. Which I actually
1: think has made for like the, made the, some of the stages more, more compelling too, right? Um, the one that I think of is the haunted house stage, which has a floor, it has like a destructible floor that will fall away and rebuild over time, right? Um, and there were definitely times where the floor just gave out from under me, and I was like, oh, but, like, the ability to latch onto a wall and wall-climb yourself out of that hole is actually pretty easy, right? So, it is simultaneously more dangerous. That kind of thing would be a death sentence, right? Um, in, in Smash, and there are certain Smash levels that are built entirely around the gimmick of, right, like, this platform is going to fall away, and that's incredibly dangerous for you. Um... And uh, and I and so it not only is a a redefinition of the mechanic to be a kind of um, I guess I want to call fairer. Really, the thing is is that it feels fairer, right? Uh, to be a sort of fairer state of a, of affairs. It also lets them kind of power up the de- the design space um, in this one aspect of level design uh, in order to make for interesting interactions.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if I call it fair but i see your point it's it's a different focus for the game um yeah uh and but it also kind of like you in smash you can have characters that like have like pretty ass recovery in this game you kind yep. of have to look like everybody even if they're like upbees, aren't particularly great they have a lot of recovery available to them also because like your air dash your air dash is very quick and moves you a significant amount like there's there's a lot that you have to play with which is super interesting but like and like also makes like it makes like low damage outs a bit rarer which is um i can't like i don't know if i'd call it fair but i think like i could see like that perception of it right like you know it is less likely that you will just like take a bad hit and be screwed right for and like lose a stock early because um, you have so much opportunity to recover and come back you you are more likely going to have to be forced out um than you are going to accidentally like run out of recovery options just a, a hair's breath away from the edge so um i think i think that's pretty interesting um yeah uh so do you have any thoughts about like the characters in particular um i don't know part of part of like you know. The the pitch I think of this game. Part of the reason I wanted to pull you into is like, oh look look, there's all these DC characters, right? You could we you could do Superman versus Batman in the game. Um, do you have any any thoughts about like any any of that? The
1: thing that I think I liked most about the characters is how true to form they felt, right? Um, you know, Batman is voiced by Kevin Conroy, famously has been the voice of Batman for. 30 years at this point, right? Starting in Batman, the animated series up through justice league into the Arkham games. Um, and now, uh, <clears throat> he is, uh, he is the voice of Batman in, in multiverses. He just has the most, I don't know that there is a better pairing of voice actor to, uh, to character than Kevin Conroy, um, to, to Batman. Um, and, uh, and, and that's the kind of thing that I think is really interesting, right? Especially because he says these absolutely buck-wild things, right? Like, when Shaggy powers up, there are times where Batman will go, Thanks, Shaggy. <laughs> and I'm just like... What? Or like if he lands if he lands a bomb on someone, a lot of the time he'll have a little stinger dialogue about that. And the thing that he says when he puts the, the bomb on the batarang and hits Shaggy is he goes, take that, hippie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, who wrote this? Who wrote these interactions? Right? Um But like they're also kind of they're also kind of true, right? Um the 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 interaction that batman has with superman is he goes i'll defeat you without kryptonite right you know which is which is kind of an awesome like there there i guess there's stuff on the comedic again and there's also just stuff that is like straight up cool one-liners right um and then there's also stuff from characters like steven universe if steven universe lands a powerful hit on batman he will sometimes go sorry batman and it's like that's very in keeping with who with who steven is right um Because fundamentally, he's kind of an empathetic, caring guy who who doesn't want to be in a fight with people. Uh, And so, I guess on that end of the equation, I'm just sort of impressed at how well they have been able to sort of nail the, uh, the sort of spirit and personality of these characters. And I hope to God that later this year, when Aquaman 2 rolls around, we get... Aquaman voiced by Jason Momoa. If I could play Aquaman in a Smash Bros. fighting game, and, and I could hear my man, right? Like, I am going
0: to flip the fuck out. See, see, because it seems like they pulled a lot of great talent for the voice actors, right? Like, Matthew Willard is playing Shaggy, who has been yep. both the voice of and the face of Shaggy, um, like, since, like, I think, like, 2000, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like he went from SLC Punk... Which is a favorite movie of mine to like, just being Shaggy Rogers, um, you know. John DiMaggio's doing uh, doing Jake, of course, um, uh, and like they've got they've got a, they got a bunch of people essentially t- uh, to. Did they get
1: B- Maisie Williams to be yes uh, Maisie Williams? Wow. That is that is an insane get to me, right? Um, something that something that I heard is that LeBron James is not voicing LeBron James, it's, which is the funniest thing I have ever heard in my fucking life. That a real life person is being featured in a fighting game, and he's not gonna be voiced by that person. Um, but he, you know, I don't
0: know. Whatever. He is not. He is being voiced by John Eric Bentley, who is uh, a a voice actor that. Uh, He was Nick Fury in Marvel Future Revolution. Um, It looks like he's just, like, a bunch of, like, random voices. Nothing that seems particularly... He was aid in Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. Uh, Yeah, he doesn't seem to have a lot of other uh, uh, voice credits, which is unfortunate. Um, Or or who knows? Maybe he's a good guy. I don't don't know anything about John Eric Bentley. Um, uh, But uh, was he... Barry? no he, he looks like he's a bunch of uh, uh, a bunch of additional voices in a lot of things like like a lot of his credits are additional voices which you know whatever um but uh yeah it's uh it, like it, it is really funny that they didn't get <laughs> they didn't get like everybody else like you know star voice voice cast right like Um, Tara Strong as Harley Quinn, which I don't know if she's, like, a traditional voice, but she's a big, big big-name voice actor, right? Oh, yeah, she's huge.
1: She is Raven in Teen Titans. She's Timmy Turner. She's, um, uh, one of the fucking ponies in in My Little Pony, which I am, uh, reliably informed is a big deal. Um,
0: oh, but, yeah, hold on. Let me take a look. So, the guy who voices Taz is uh is the Winnie the Pooh guy the voice the voice of Winnie the Pooh oh yeah dude I love that guy he's Lord Walker Cho
1: on wow is he uh, really mm-hmm yeah what a what a perfect pick for that God okay let's see Tara strong is she Harley Quinn in the Harley Quinn show I guess not you know I see that she's um you know she plays people on Young Justice. She plays Raven, obviously, in Teen Titans Go. Uh, I guess in the in the Justice League movie she was Harley Quinn, but not the the Justice League TV. Or I'm sorry, not the Harley Quinn TV show, um, uh, which I'm told is very good and very funny. But I have never actually, uh, I have never actually watched it. Uh, let's see. Oh wow, Kaylee Cuoco is actually Harley Quinn in that in that show. Uh, who's the who is the um god what's what's she called the big bang theory oh you know she's the she's the neighbor from from big bang theory they kind of have an insane voice cast for this actually ron funches is king shark dude we have to watch this show what i i okay okay you you got me um (laughs) jim rash is the riddler the dean from community is the riddler in this show holy shit Okay, all right. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so the multiverses, uh, the multiverses voice cast is really is really something else. Uh, the one thing that I would maybe say I um, <clears throat> I am sad about is that it didn't feel like they got a good voice for Superman. Um, I think. The, the best Superman voice is also his voice from uh, that era of uh, uh, Justice League, the the animated series, and uh, the Superman animated series. Um, but they picked up a guy named George Newborn, who I actually do think has played Superman. Okay, yeah, he's actually Superman in Injustice. That, okay, this actually makes more sense to me now. Um, but I will say... I wish it was Tim Daly. Tim Daly is the best. Is the best Superman voice. Um, so,
0: thank you for covering for me while I started dying. Uh, that was-
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, yeah, this is man. This is really like nuts. I I am I am into it. I want to know. Oh, okay. Actually, the real crime here. Now that I am all the way down to the bottom, the real crime here is that the Iron Giant. Is not voiced by Vin Diesel. <laughs> if you were gonna spring for anybody, I'm a little bit depressed that you were not able to spring for Vin Diesel. Was
0: he was he the Iron Giant originally? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, he was uh, he was the original Iron Giant um, in you know whatever like 2003 or something. Uh, God, maybe he was even before that. I it's crazy uh, that the
0: Iron Giant's a character in this game, right? Like that, like you know. Like, it's a beloved, it's a beloved movie, but like it's like very self-contained, right? Like wow, this is from 1999. This has to be
1: one of Vin Diesel's very first roles. Um, Vin Diesel was famously, uh, I he, like, he was picked up for Saving Private Ryan. Right? Hold on, let's take
0: a look. Yeah, let's look at Vin Diesel.
1: Yeah, he did a couple of things, but his big breakout role was Saving Private Ryan, and then the next year he was in uh Chronicles of Riddick and say. Iron Giant, you know, Pitch Black was in 2000, right? The Fast and the Furious 1 is in 2001, right? So, he really kind of like kicks off out of there, but I remember I remember, you know, the thing that launched his career was uh he was picked up by Steven Spielberg for Saving Private Ryan. He has a really tearful death in that in that movie, spoilers, in case anybody hasn't seen uh Hasn't seen Saving Private Ryan. Um, you'd think you'd think you could really go all out and maybe find a way to pick up, <laughs> pick up Vin Diesel <laughs> to
0: uh, well, voice his
1: own character. Fuck.
0: Yeah. Well, I I feel like you don't like pick him up for that, right? Like, what is? Are, are there any other movies that are like under the WB label? Um, man, it, it's funny that like now, this is like one of the few times where I'm like staring at like things that could, like, that could be, that he could do, like, that he could do, um, but like, uh, just because, like, I don't, or rather, sorry, staring out, like, what properties are associated with which studio, right, because, like, could he, like, is Riddick, WB, I don't even know, uh, uh, yeah, I
1: don't know, I don't know either, I also know that there's weird, um, interactions, uh, when it comes to certain characters, um and and certain movies not every um not every character in like a franchise or whatever is going to be owned by the studio uh a, like overseeing it a lot of the time it is owned by the production company that makes the movie so i guess warner brothers must have picked up whatever the production company was for the iron giant for instance
0: okay um, plus you could like you can theoretically like you know, pay for pay for the rights without actually, um, you know, uh, having having uh, having it. Because, like, I don't know. The thing that popped in my mind is Vin Diesel voicing Xander Cage, um, which would be or or Dom, right? Like Dom in multiverses would be hilarious, but like, probably uh, probably doesn't work out, right? Like, I, I don't even think it's like. Uh,
1: Wasn't there uh yeah there was a Triple X sequel uh Triple X the reserve of Xander Cage Well that was the there was a third
0: one there was there were two of there were there were three of them the first one was oh, Okay. The second one was with um I almost wanna say Ice Cube but I thought it was somebody else. Um here let's Googling Triple X is not an easy thing to do unfortunately. Uh, neither is Triple X movie what's uh uh Action movie. There we go. There we go. That'll that'll not get me uh Yeah. So the second one is Triple X State of the Union. Uh
1: Hell yeah. God I feel like which we lost Ice Cube. Not Yeah, well I feel like we lost some of those uh some of those like classic uh I guess I wanna say I don't know, I for, like, formula movies is a weird way to to sort of put it. But that is, that's sort of what it feels like, right? Like, the 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 formula of, um, you know, just like a, this generic action movie that has some sort of badass name. Now I want to do a deep dive on the on Triple X movies. I want to see Triple X, there, Triple apparently a State fourth one in production, Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. Uh,
0: so, I should have paid attention to the chat, because Lou pointed out it was Ice Cube before I found it. But, um... Uh there is a uh, looking at Vin, Day's, Vin Diesel's IMDb page there's a fourth triple X in production so you know
1: you know hey I'm not not mad about that I guess um <clears throat> yeah so do we want to talk about anything else with
0: regards to um, really
1: the thing i just want to do is i want to wrap this up by saying multiverse has really impressed me um by by offering like one of the things we didn't actually talk about was how many characters have these unique and interesting passives right um so for instance taz has this passive where he can you know like he can like turn someone into a chicken over time right um where he kind of slowly um accumulates stacks on people by hitting them with his attacks, which is, like, he he does this punch move, but it's a salt and pepper shaker, and if he puts salt and pepper on you, you get stacks or whatever, and when you get back some stacks, you become cooked, where you can move around. You are a chicken, but you can't attack. You can't use your specials or whatever. You just have to basically run for a couple of seconds from uh, from Taz, the Tasmanian devil. Um, and, like, that is is incredible, right? Arya has this whole thing where, you know, she can... Um, uh, she does all this, she does critical hits from behind, right? If she can if she can hit you from behind, she'll do double damage and it'll be like a big launch, right? So it is not about, you know, uh, it's not about straight up kind of 1v1-ing someone. It's about kind of uh, having this like, I guess almost like rogue-based gameplay, right? Where you sneak up behind them and you stab them. Um, that sort of thing. And I just think that all of that, all of that is is so compelling a structure uh to to make for a um to make for a game that
0: I'm I'm into it. I'm with it. It's yeah. Cool. No, there's gonna, like there is like so there is a lot of depth to this game that's like it's gonna sound weird, but there's a lot of surface level depth, right? Like there's a lot of things where like you will look at the game and you won't even understand like exactly what's happening but it's like easily accessible. Beyond, like, kind of, like, you know, like, things that you traditionally get the depth out of, which is, like, you know, like, frame data or whatever, right? Like, it was, like, oh, this move can beat this move because, you know, you look at these properties. And there's definitely a lot of that, too. But, like, um you know, like, how exactly Iron Giant's uh, static special works, which is, like, you collect bolts. And that acts like kind of like a stacking super armor, which means you can kind of, like, like let moves rip without having to worry about being knocked back and interrupted. Which is, like... Mm. Grockable, understandable if you read it, but, like, not something that's, like, immediately obvious if you just, like, stare at it on screen, right? Like, like, Arya, like you were talking about, she has, like, a face-stealer move, and I don't even quite understand how, like, that works, right? Like, you know, you steal, you steal their face, and then, like, sometimes in combos she'll, like, switch to that character to, like, do a move, and then you can, like, use it up to, like, like stun someone, I think, and it's, like, what what is happening here, right? Like, lots of little stuff like, like that. Plus, like, there's just, like, so much flavor to it, too, right? Like, you were putting this out the other, uh, yesterday. Um, when Arya gets a kill, she spawns a pie, right? That restores health, which is, like, you know, a little thing, but very, super, f- very flavorful, right? Like, Shaggy, when he, like, powers up, he drops a Scooby snack that his partner can pick up to, like, regain some health. Like, l- l- little things like that. Like, the characters very yeah. much feel like they are the characters they are supposed to be, if that makes sense, right? Like, they're, like, um... And there's some, like, you know medium to deep pulls in here too, right? Like I had assumed like the the first costume for Shaggy is Uncle Shagsworth, which is I assume that this was like a character, like one of the modern movies. No, this is like a deep pull from like one of the original cartoons. He's like a character mm-hmm. that is kind of like showed up for an episode. And like we never talked to him again it's like, oh we'll make him a skin, right? Like it's it's super super interesting. You can tell it like you know you can tell that the developers care a lot about the characters and care a lot about the game as well, right? Like just the attention to detail in the gameplay. Um, is it like a cheap tie-in like like so many of these fighting game type things these fighting game type brawlers are like cheap tie-ins that aren't super well balanced and are just kind of like made so like you know to make a to make a quick buck or whatever right um you see this a lot around like the shonen animes right like the um like not not um dragon ball fighter z but like the arena dragon ball fighters are pretty notoriously like poor quality It's kind of like you know you hit buttons and you make big thing happen, and that's, like, the whole point, and no one really plays them for, like, the quality of the gameplay. Well, um, this game clearly, clearly, they want to respect the IP and also, like, respect the people playing it as a fighting game, which is just, like, you know, the only game that really did that was Smash Brothers, right? So, you know, it's, uh, and this, is like, draws from, like, a much wider pool of influence, I guess, right? Um... I'm waiting, of course, for Yakko, Wacko, and Dot to show up as like you know. <laughs> like, I'm sure they'll do a. I'm sure they have to do them at some point, right? Like, there's no way they they don't. Um, but yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about with them before we get to our weeks? Uh, no, I think I'm good. All right. Well then, uh, buddy, how was your week? How was my week? Uh, I
1: guess the big thing that I did this week was. Uh, I watched a show I watched this show called We Own This City which is um, an HBO miniseries that is the that is sort of a dramatization of the true story of the corruption inside the Baltimore Police Department that got uncovered in 2017, 2018 um, This was made actually not all that long ago, but it was made by David Simon, who is famously the showrunner of The Wire You Have you seen The Wire? I have not seen The Wire Wow, yeah, this is, like, one of those things. You know, for a long time, The Wire was famously, quote-unquote, the best show on television, right? Um, I would say that time has passed. There are probably better shows now. Uh, like, I would say Better Call Saul is better than The Wire, stuff like that. Um, but for its time, I might have agreed with the sentiment that The Wire was the best show on television um, because, you know, boy, what a what a heart-wrencher um, that that show would end up being. And just the ways in which it tackled sort of... Um, the different okay, I, I so so to back this up, David Simon gets his start as a reporter, right, and then he eventually I don't know if he writes the book or he adapts the book, um, uh, life on the street. Then, but then there is in 1993 there is a a show called Homicide: Life on the Street. Um, for I think uh, like NBC, who cares, right? For for some some of the primetime networks, not HBO, right? Um, but there's this show. It's called Homicide: Life on the Street, and it is um, a uh, and it is a dramatization of this book. We, okay, and so the book is written by a detective, by a Baltimore c- homicide detective, right? Which talks about some of the ways in which detective work is so different compared to how we conceive of it, right? Um, you know, when we think of cop shows, right? This is something that David Fincher has talked about before, um, you know, the 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 filmmaker behind Zodiac. The, the point of the movie Zodiac is that the actual process of catching a serial killer is so much more complicated than the process that gets shown in something like, you know, Criminal Minds, right, or whatever, um, that... It is un that is unrecognizable to reality, and that movie is about the frustration that the cops feel at the the kind of procedural hurdles that are getting in the way. Right, how hard it is to really prove someone killed someone else in the American justice system, not from a not from an advoca- advocacy standpoint. The point of Zodiac is not to say, oh, well, cops really should just be able to point a finger and shoot a gun, right? But it is just that, like, no, Dirty Harry is actually kind of wrong, and the real way police work happens is by cross-referencing records in three different California counties, all of which who are trying to push their own suspect for the Zodiac killer and don't want to cooperate with the other two, right? The Wire and Homicide Life on the Streets are are very much built on that sort of foundation right um the wire is so so like the the procedural aspect of police life is so baked into the wire right um the wire itself referring to a wire tap they put wire taps on um on certain phones right and the logic of trying to get you know, good evidence, right, trying to get good phone, you know, uh, recordings of phone calls um, in order to prosecute these drug crimes um, and prosecute these homicides, or prosecute these homicides is just, like, insanely compelling stuff. And We Own This City is is a kind of completion of that cycle that is a simultaneously it is a harsh indictment of the police but also a sort of like wistful look at the police that used to like the police work that used to happen right um there's multiple times where cameras kind of or where where characters kind of monologue at the camera of like you know this city's this city's changed i used to walk my beat and if somebody got shot I'd have 10 people knocking on my door to tell me who did it, but now nobody trusts the police, right? You know, there's this whole bit in the middle where they catch someone for a murder, um, but the actual process of putting that person on trial is so corrupted by the lack of trust between the people and the police force that it is, like, it's actually impossible to get him Like on it. Right. Uh, There's a detective and he's the detective who figured it out. Right. And he figured it out by doing kind of good old fashioned police work, knocking on doors, asking questions to little old black ladies about, you know, who died at the alley. Um, And uh, and he's sitting in the courtroom and he's watching as jurors are coming up and they're being interviewed on the stand. And uh, and they're saying, I would never trust the word of a cop. Right. Because Baltimore police officers were so famous for perjuring themselves in cases that they brought to court that prosecutors started banning them from testifying in the trials that they like for the arrests and charges that they were bringing to people. Right. Um, And and then, of course, the whole thing is centered on the, the character of Wayne Jenkins, who is sort of the centerpiece of this whole thing. He was kind of a star police officer who had a million arrests um, and and kind of all of these seizures, seizures to his name and he got put in charge of a task force called the gun trace task force and he basically ran the gun trace task force like a city like a city-wide mafia you know there's there's a quote in the in the opening crawl which is which is all real quotes from like real politicians where someone says these are 19th these police officers are 1930s gangsters and that is much more true than you would think, right? Like they are literally just shaking down real average citizens on just complete and absolute bullshit. And I would just, and I, it is frightening to think of how real this is, that this is all based on uh kind of real shit that happened. So I would highly recommend we own the city, uh, especially if you are a person who is ever connected to the wire or to homicide life on the streets or any of this stuff with like David Simon, um, Uh, it is, it is a short, you know, it's a six episode miniseries, right? Like it's not a, it's not a, uh, uh, like a show with seasons or anything like that. Um, and. Yeah. yeah, that, that's that.
0: So, so speaking from having not, having not watched, but being familiar with some of the issues that surround this kind of thing, right? Like I know that I have, I have heard that like, like things got a lot tougher to do once the Freddie Gray incident happened. Right. Um, and, uh, also, so like. The, the one that always gets brought up in kind of these contexts is in terms of like trade offs is um, stop and frisk, which is like was a a, a practice that like violated civil liberties to uh, like you know to like an extreme degree, right? Like this is a, this is a New York City pop policy, it's not a Baltimore policy, but like you know, it's uh, for those of you that don't know, it was a the practice of just like stopping people randomly on the street and searching them for firearms without like. It was like blatantly unconstitutional, right? Like no real, like, you know, probable cause was kind of like the cop like looked at them and was like effectively a lot of it was like they were a young black man, right? And they got stopped and they got patted down. The thing was is that that was actually a fairly effective strategy, Um, right? So – an absolute an absolutely horrific civil liberties violation that also kept a lot of guns off the street. And it's kinda of like that's one of those trade offs, right? Like, you know, the price of freedom is that you have a lot of bad stuff that happens. And like you know, it doesn't excuse it, but like that 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 is part of why like things have started to swing in the opposite direction. It's just like an interesting thing to kind of like explore in that piece. And I have heard that that um we own the city. Kind of not some of those things at some points. It's just like you know, like. You-
1: oh yeah, I mean, th- actually, I think the thing that is most interesting about "We Own the City," uh, the thing that I'm most surprised by, is how sloppy it is. One of the things that makes the wire great is the cat and mouse nature of it, right? Where the drug dealers are going through so many different, um, they're they're kind of going through all of these different ways to avoid talking on phones, right? To avoid being recorded, um, to avoid being tracked, right? Um, they don't even have a picture of the main guy. Like, they know that the main guy is Avon Barksale, but they don't even have a picture of Avon Barksale until halfway through the season. And the only reason that they find that is because they find out that he was an amateur boxer when he was younger, and they find a poster the, of him, you know, like, doing, like, a, you know, like, a gloves thing, right? Um... And they bring that into the office and they use that as kind of the corkboard, right, like the corkboard thing. Um, and that cat and mouse game gets more complex over time, right? You have um, uh, one of the things that happens, this is also gets alluded to in Better Call Saul, is like how prepaid phones enabled you know like criminal activity because you know you don't have to be tied to that you just buy it for cash wherever right and the police can't monitor you know can't monitor the prepaid phones and so when the drug game moves off of these pay phones because this is all happening inside of you know like before cell phones really become a thing uh, kind like, of in like the wire moves from like
0: 4 to 3 to 16 to 9 over the course of its run right yeah, Which yeah yeah is like, like i think it started in 2000 2001
1: 2002 right kind of like as cell phones were like becoming a whole thing um, and um, and you know part of it is the whole process that they go through in order to bug some of in order to bug some of these um, prepaid Uh, these prepaid cell phones that the drug dealers are using, right? They find out the store where they're buying these and the person who is buying them, and they pre-stock the store with bugged phones because they know it's a thing, and it's really tough to get the judge to sign off on that because the judge is like, well, wait, how do we know that this is going to be for the person, right? Like, obviously, you know, like, all this other stuff. And they really walk you through the kind of the procedure of it. And then in We Own This City, you're watching as city police detectives have a bug on their cell phone and they are taking calls from drug dealers about rival drug dealers who they are going to knock off and steal all of the drug money that are in their car right and it's just like it, like truth is stranger than fiction right not only not only are you a police officer having this kind of correspondence with a with a drug dealer right But to do it on your phone and not even, like, it's ridiculous. There's a part, and I I have to believe that this is not, like, that this is just how it happened. There's a part where the guy starts talking about a drug deal. The other person says hey let's go to FaceTime the, the FBI agents who are listening to the wiretap go shit we can't monitor that and then after the FaceTime call they called one another again on the cell phone and he's like wait I just forgot one more thing and he adds more incriminating evidence to the, to the phone call and it's just like how, how how did this happen right like you know so <laughs> that is probably the thing that I find yeah. most compelling about we On this city
0: is kind of how bumbling and like arrogance right like a street arrogance that no one no one yeah. is going to do like it is yes yeah no or, you know like yep. this, is but this is this is why like you get like these like like crazy like serial killers and like you know or like you know um other like kind of individual actors is because like you could evade capture for a while if like you do one thing and you make sure to cover your tracks right like you know the clearance rate on any particular homicide is like super fucking low, right? In in a lot of cities, right? Um, or any any especially any minor crime, right? It's like when you integrate over time, do you does do you do it enough that you eventually get caught, right? Like you know this is like there are some famous or lot, maybe not individually famous, but like you can see these videos out of say San Francisco where they're like not prosecuting minor uh, minor crimes. People are just like flagrant about it right they walk into a drugstore and they pick up like a handful of things and they just walk out because they know that like it's not worth it to the company like the company will write it off as a loss and if it gets bad enough they just close the store it's, and the city's not prosecuting right like you know um yep and you know and for one of a variety of reasons which is not like you know to the paint you know any anybody particularly good or bad light like, the cops aren't aren't protecting them either it's enforcement or like the cops are refusing to do it because they feel like they're not appreciated enough which is bullshit right like the, the whole thing is like absurdly complicated absurdly terrible and you know um and i'm happy to hear that there's a good thing about it away from more serious topics something that i did this week that i saw you also do this week is played a lot of vampire survivors um, oh, that's
1: true. Yes, I did actually get back into I, You know, I have dabbled in Vampire Survivors ever since kind of some of the updates. Um, but it's just, uh, I don't know, I just like, I had a, was a stressful week and I was just like, you know what, man, I just need to like take 30 fucking minutes to endlessly destroy yeah. these hordes of these hordes of guys how do you feel about the modern vampire survivors right you know what is your six month update on on vampire survivors? i think
0: it's it's a lot of fun there's just like there's a lot more to do and so like i feel myself well oh, i got 30 minutes i'll jump back in for a game right like and uh it feels like like there's like there's more build space right so there's more stuff to do like not only are there more unlocked but there's also like more theoretical stuff to do with the game um yeah, I've I've been having a blast with it, right? Just kind of like, oh yeah, let's kill like seven. Have you things. have you responded to any of the balance? Do you think that garlic is better now? Um, I think garlic is I don't know if garlic is better on its own merits, but there are more builds where it makes more sense than say the Bible. Um or I don't know if it's called the Bible. Um but like so like one of the what like pentagram is now a thing you can definitely do and it's got an evolution right and in pentagram builds it feels like garlic makes more sense than um than the bible because like if you're doing a pentagram build you're building around pentagram right there's no way around it um and that doesn't get any benefit from duration and durations on the bible but it does benefit from cooldown and um, and Garlic benefits from the cooldown much more than the Bible does because the Bible out of its evolved form is constant anyway. Uh, so, uh, Garlic getting more Yeah, fixed. it also,
1: the, the big thing that I think about Garlic now is the knockback. I feel that a lot, right? Um, being able to, uh, like, take the Bible and the cross as sort of a defensive combo of if anybody gets too close for me, I can knock them out. Um, I've also seen that, like, it says on the tooltip that it also makes freezing enemies better for the Clock Lancet, but I have never used that item super effectively, so I don't really know. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I haven't been, I have I have not picked up the Clock Lancet since, uh, since I've come back to the game, so maybe there's just things that, I, that I'm that i not exploring yet, but
1: I've just having a lot do you of... Have a, do you have a favorite? I feel like the last time we talked, you said the Bible was your favorite, uh, power.
0: Yeah, um... I don't know if I have a strict favorite, but, like, I just unlocked Pugnala and, like, her X thing. Um, like, she's got, like, the two I wings. I don't know Pugnala, actually. So, she she basically does a constant stream in, like, an X, uh, like, like, pattern of bullets. Um, and then, like, her, the evolved form of that is, like, this big, like, rotating thing. And that was super fun because, like, I decided to try it out on, like, one of the 15-minute bonus stages. Like, the plant one. And that, like, I literally kept... Have you gotten one of the gold four-leaf clovers yet? Like, the money, like, thing? So, oh, wait, what, the one what, that
1: where every time you kill, you get gold? Yeah, yeah. And,
0: like, it's yeah, the bar at the I bottom, and you can combo it for a while. I literally kept one of those going for, like, 11 minutes. Uh, just be, because I was playing on the plant stage, which is, like, infinitely spawning, non-attacking creatures, right? Um, and I put out, like, the, the X thing is just constant. So just, like, constantly knocking down stuff and just, like, generating, like, tons and tons of money, which was, like, it was just, like, like you know, like, oh, big, like, that was, like, a straight up cookie, like, we're, like, you know, number go up, number go up, right, like, yeah. that, was, that was super fun, like, you know, and you get that with the, like, the other stages, but there's a little bit more tactical a little bit more uh, stuff there, like, also just kind of, like, the game isn't, as trivial anymore, right? like I felt like it in that first set, I got to a point where I was like, oh, yeah, I will make it to thirty minutes. It's just a matter of like you know how effective I am doing it. here it feels like um like it's still not super difficult, but like there's like some steps there, right? like you know you have to and also like yeah, i go on, i so.
1: I think a lot of that has also come just from having those extra options now that so many things have evolutions, I no longer feel like I'm kind of pigeonholed into um uh you know it, like it kind of felt like the original like, when we were when we were first playing and reviewing the game it was um always kind of bad to go some of these items that didn't have evolutions right like you didn't want to go the lightning ring just because it would never evolve into anything useful but now most things have evolutions um and there's quite a lot that you can do by picking up you know like honestly it feels like the rune tracer for instance is like Maybe the... I I guess I sort of feel like I have a couple of things that I want to get just for damage output. Just like raw numbers, right? Um, Maybe a good example of that is uh, the Rune Tracer. The Axe is big. uh, The Fireballs um, are are big. Just like, these are ones that I'm getting and I'm just like, I just want raw damage output over time, right? Um, But then there are some that I'm looking for and those are, like, can kind of be a little bit more niche or a little bit more supportive in nature, right? Um so for instance, something like garlic kind of fits in that realm. Or actually maybe the best example of this for me is the whip. I actually quite like using the whip, um, because the you know, like the, the healing aspect of that is actually really useful. Um and it's really nice that you have this recovery, you know, this recovery piece of the puzzle. Um, and, and that's something that I'm thinking a lot more about when I'm playing Vampire Survivors now compared to when I was playing a couple of months ago, just because there were so few evolutions that it felt like taking anything that didn't evolve in some way was kind of a waste. Unfortunately, this also means that I feel like I can't ever branch out, right? Like, if I'm taking um, basically anything, I need to take its corresponding evolution piece or else I feel like I'm garbage, you know? Which is sort of that optimization mindset that we've talked a lot about, uh, kind of like kicking in.
0: Yeah, I... I, I definitely find myself hunting for pieces a lot more than I was previously, right? Like, um, if I've got a building going for I have to, like, you know, delay a lot more or whatever um, and figure stuff out. Oh, although you've, they've given you pieces – or not pieces. They've given you, um, uh, like, tools to do that. Like, there's banishes and skips now. Um, also, something that's interesting is, like, every level seems to have, like, stuff on the ground that you can use to get more than – max passives now which is like an interesting thing to play around um just because you know like if i like you can only get them once you've already maxed out your passives if you want them to not take up a slot um and so like weirdly like it'd be like oh you know like hearts guaranteed on the ground i can go whip but it's also one of those things where like well i can't actually evolve whip until i filled out my passives and gone and collected it um which actually puts it on the back burner for a while so it, it, it's an interesting dynamic that i'm still filling out exactly how i want to play around it um, yep, yeah. But yeah, it's been it's been super super neat playing. The other thing I've been doing um, is have I been doing anything else really? Oh, I was playing more Elden Ring. Um, you know, getting through that game. Um, I don't think I've watched anything of particular note um, other than like you know YouTube videos. Um, uh, I started reading Endymion. Um, cause I got screwed up and I thought that Rise of Endymion was the third book in the Hyperion Cantos is actually the fourth. And I got like an hour into that book and then I realized I was <laughs> on the wrong track. Um, uh, which is fine. I don't think I'm particularly hurt by it. So that's exciting. Um, it's a good book. Like I'm continually impressed by the Hyperion Cantos. I highly recommend it to everybody out there. Um... Do I have anything else that I do? You have anything else you've been doing? You've been looking at. Watching?
1: Um, I, the other thing I've been doing is paying attention to Total War. Total War stuff. I feel like Total War is becoming the the game that I wanted it to be on launch. Um, it's sort of frustrating, right? Like the thing that, the thing that was that, that was frustrating about it was, and I, I kind of explained this at the time. I felt like I can't go back to Total War Warhammer Two, right? At the end of the day, Total War Warhammer Two is the the small updates that came in Warhammer Three around settlement battles and sieges and that kind of stuff um, is cool and and good and they're so fundamental to the way that I want to experience the game that it's actually kind of hard to get me to kind of like go back before that was the case. Um, something that I'm reminded of that I actually had forgotten is that in Total War Warhammer One, you could not settle mountain provinces as the Empire. Um, and vice versa you could not settle savannah provinces like like farmland provinces as the dwarfs right um and in total war Warhammer 2 they added this system for okay well you can settle stuff that is outside of your your preferred comfort zone but like it is going to seriously impact the way that you know that that zone Progress Right. A province that is all mountain for the empire is actually is going to produce less money. It's going to take longer to sort of grow to its maximum height, and it's maybe going to be less useful for you over time. But if you do really want to paint the map red, you can paint, you know, kind of paint the map red. Um, and it's just it, it reminds me it reminds me of that. So I have been playing Total War Warhammer three, um, but the more I play it, the more I just wish I was playing Mortal Empires. I think the real thing that that gets into this um, is how the Realm of Chaos removes your sort of agency in empire building for fifteen turns at a time. Um, so just to like recap for people who might not be aware. The Realm of Chaos campaign basically says that, oh, every once in a while, rifts pop up in every province in, you know in the world, right? Um, they can be closed. You can go, you can fight a battle there to close them. You can send an agent to close them, right? Um, or you can build a building. This is actually my suggestion. They got voted to the top of the Total War subreddit. I said, this, you should be able to prevent a rift from spawning by having this anti-corruption building built in your province. Um, and they eventually updated that into the, into the game itself. Um, so you do have ways to play around these rifts. And these rifts are very cool, and I quite like them, in terms of being able to sort of expand and traverse the map really quickly because you can use the rifts to teleport to any other rift if you want to, right? But their main use is to send your armies into the realms of chaos, right? Um, into these these sort of islands at the top of the map where they're not interacting with anything else, right? And the goal is to kind of complete a, a set of tasks, whether that's just fight enemies, whether that's, uh, you know, move across a map before you attrition out um, from, like, super heavy attrition damage, um, solving a puzzle for the, for the Dsinch one, um, you know, going through the, the, the rings of, of the Slaanesh one, right? And that process takes turns, right? It takes, uh, you know, 10, 10 or 15 turns. And the only person that can do it is your faction leader, right? Your legendary lord who, who leads, uh, who leads your faction is the only person who can traverse the rifts for you. And the frustration that I feel is... I'm kind of torn between these two like two different kinds of game modes. One of which is okay empire build, you know, level up your your towns, level up your um your your provinces, make better, you know, better armies, make better infrastructure, right? You know, use the advanced buildings to build better armies to win more to win more battles, right? And the sending sending my guy away for 10 turns because what happens is not only am i sending my guy away from 10 turns but those rifts are threatening this like the sanctity of my empire right where if i don't have these buildings built or i don't have an agent on the ground or whatever right like they are spreading corruption they are spawning enemy agents that are going and fucking with my shit they are spawning enemy armies that are going and attacking my stuff and the most powerful army i have at my disposal is not available to defend myself right and i I think that's the core frustration that when people were were getting kind of angry about um, the Realm of Chaos campaign and how that stuff worked out. It's that it's that that felt that felt so frustrating, um, and I guess I just have such a boner for Total War that. I want to keep playing despite despite it. Um, there's a part of me that wants to start downloading some of the mods. There are mods that will disable the Realm of Chaos campaign. And I sort of think that might be, like, the correct call. Um, you know, the, the correct call for something like this. But really, what well, all I want is I just wanted Mortal Empires to be out. And then I don't know that I'm ever going to touch the Realm of Chaos campaign again. Um, which is a little sad because I actually quite liked the Vortex campaign. I did the Vortex campaign on multiple characters in Total War Warhammer 2. But the Vortex campaign, which also sort of had this stuff, right? It sort of put objectives on the map and you were racing against time, against your um, um, against other races to accumulate resources before they accumulated those resources, right? Uh, but I just felt like you know like I never had this feeling of weakness where my art my core army was taken from me, right. Um, and so yeah, there's just like new, there's just like always new stuff coming in the uh, in in the Total war stuff. It's like every week there's there's more information. Right now we're getting information about the, the the champions of chaos pack, which is a a lord and unit DLC pack that is coming out with the immortal empires campaign that is going to radically radically redefine how uh, warriors of chaos, the faction, which is probably the oldest and most in like in most dire need of an update faction in the game. Um, they are getting four new legendary lords and um and they're getting a whole host of new of new mechanics that look really sweet. Uh because like one of the things about Warriors of Chaos, like the, the idea of Warriors of Chaos is that you have these mortals, right, like humans, and the humans are so they start as sort of like Marauders, right? But the more that they dedicate themselves to Chaos, the more they they kind of power up, right? So they start as Marauders, they start as Chaos Marauders, then they uh, upgrade into Chaos Warriors, then they upgrade into Chaos Chosen, right? Um, and the, the, the new update for Warriors of Chaos is going to actually deliver on that sort of fantasy in real time, right? Where your... Um, where your regiments, you can recruit them as sort of these basic bare bones units, but as they fight battles, as they as they win, they are being tainted by the marks of the Chaos God. And they are going to become oh you're not just a Chaos Marauder. You're a Chaos Marauder of corn, right? And the Chaos Marauders have corn. Have dual weapons, which is uh, which is like a powerful anti-infantry. They're just going to chew through um, uh, other enemy infantry units, right? Um, or you're a Chaos Chosen of Nurgle, and you're going to get these big armor-piercing great weapons so that you can kind of smash through big heavy armored like armored units or whatever. Um, and I think that is the coolest fucking shit I've ever heard, and is like. It's like winning for days. <laughs> um, they announced the release date. It's a month from now. It is August twenty third, and uh, you know, I'm excited. I guess that's 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 that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, no, I I mean, my other big thing I'm looking forward to is, is Rumbleverse, which I've talked about on this podcast, but that's like in a couple of weeks, so I'm sure we'll do an episode about that just because it's going to be I it like there it's it's good to be a fighting games player for this summer. This is like you know. They're good games, and uh, nothing else is coming out, so no one's going to be distracted by anything else, apparently. Um, yeah, it is weird how dead this summer feels in terms of, like, game releases. Um, I don't feel like I've gotten anything like a, that's, like, super anticipated on the on the docket. Do you have anything that you're super looking forward to coming out?
1: Yeah, not for the summer. I mean, really, it is just... Uh, I guess the new Hearthstone expansion looks, looks pretty sweet. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Warrior is in quite literally the most dire position it has ever been in you like somebody made a somebody made a chart um, of win rates over time for all of the classes in hearthstone and the there's this huge clear outlier, which is warrior just tanking and and being the lowest win weight uh, win rate class basically ever um, which is bad me because typically the only reason i like playing hearthstone is when warrior is good and there is a good meta i i'm most into into hearthstone and i'm really not sold by some of by like kind of the warrior package that we're getting in castle nathria but at the same time man you know i don't know there's a lot of other cool stuff happening and i have found myself enjoying um uh, I have found myself enjoying some of the other classes, which is not, you know, not always a, uh, a normal thing for me. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, I have, I have pre-ordered it and I am sure that I'm going to be doing a bunch of, uh, Hearthstone. T- I'm going to be doing a lot of talking about Hearthstone, uh, in the next, I guess not next week, but the week after that.
0: Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, for me, I'm probably going to like, I'm going to try and finish out Elden Ring. Soon, and then I'm going to try and play Bayonetta one and two because it just announced the release really date for Bayonetta three, which uh, you know I like. To, I really like Devil May Cry five, so you know I'll get into that. But otherwise, I don't know. Uh, I got tickets to see DC Super Pets um, next weekend, which I guess will be a thing. Um, we talked about that briefly. Was there another? There's another movie that I got tickets for that I can't remember now. Which is not bode well for. Oh, Bullet Train. Right, we talked about. We're going to talk about Bullet Train because, you know, it looks cool. Um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, anything else you want to talk about or you want to wrap this up?
1: I got nothing else. So yeah, we can wrap. All
0: right. Well, if you've got anything that you'd like to. If you'd like to email us, tell us what you think about uh, any of the things you talked about on this uh, show, whether that's, uh, you know, Total War Warhammer or Multiverses, which I recommend you all check out, or anything else, you can. Email us at Gmail.com or podcast at theverseplaygames.com. You can follow us on Twitch.tv, such they, These go out live, and you can talk to us if you want when we decide to pay attention. Sorry, Lou, for not really paying attention. Uh, what Lou says, what? nope speaking of which, no gushing over the current critics' darling. What is the current critics' darling? Is it... Stray, maybe? There's, like, nope, right? Like, uh, wait, 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 what was the one you said? Well, so, oh, I, I, I wasn't sure. Uh,
1: in... Games, uh, Stray from Annapurna oh, just came out. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. That that is what I thought. Yeah. You just play straight. You just play a stray cat. Right. Um, I have not played Stray. Uh, Neither have I. So I don't have anything to say about it. The, I do know about it. Obviously, though, you know, like working it into games is kind of hard to. <laughs> the
0: the thing that I will say about Stray that I saw that I thought was super adorable is there are apparently a bunch of mods. They're just people modding their own cat into the game. Oh my God! Uh, you know, like if you could find an oh, Orion don't skin, don't tell me
1: about that. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta mod Orion into the game.
0: Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So I got yeah, nothing else. Uh, uh, so with that, I'm gonna say uh, until next time, dear listeners.
1: Until next time, loyal listeners.